Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' three-game series against the Chicago White Sox. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. For the last time this season, folks, Dan and I will be recapping a Twins baseball series. And Dan, I gotta be honest with you, there was one key silver lining from this series, but other than that, Dan, wow, this was a rough one to watch. But they won the last game, David, 10-1. to 1. Well, That was yeah, exciting. It, there could not be a more meaningless game. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. But at least they went out with a, with a big bang like that, David. Kept the White Sox at 500. Yeah, okay. I suppose if that's if that's our goal here is to keep the second place team in the AL Central from finishing above 500. Mission accomplished, Dan. <laughs> well, look at this. The Cleveland Guardians ended up with 92 wins. Like, I would call that a pretty legitimate division champion. 22 games above 500. You realize they played basically the same schedule the Twins did, right? Well, yeah. Uh, next year, I guess, well, it'll be different. Well, they'll all be playing the same schedule next year. I'm just excited for more baseball next year, David. Well, yeah, there'll always be more baseball, man. <laughs> But we talk about this every year about this time. Just remember that come the dead of January, David, you're going to wish you could be watching game three here of this Twins White Sox series. You're probably right. It is. I always wonder like how long it takes for me to like miss baseball. And, you know, normally I'd say it's in sort of the lull between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's mm-hmm. like it like hits me like, oh, man, <laughs> like I don't want to watch the Timberwolves. Come on. Well, then let's let's enjoy this. Let's enjoy talking about this series one last time here, David. Let's call it a brief overview. Recap is probably a bit generous for what we're about to do, Dan. Series recap. Right. So the Twins lost two of these games, right, David? That's that's how this went? Yeah, well, it's it's quite frustrating, though, because game one, honestly, I watched with a little bit of anticipation and probably more effort and care than I normally would at this point in the season, but specifically because the Twins could have finished second in the division. And as little as that you, means... Hold like, on. We, you didn't care about that last time. You literally said that that didn't matter to you. No, I, I literally just was going to say, before you cut me off, I said, I realize how little that actually means, but it still made it something interesting to watch for right but the twins would have had to sweep in order to do that so after they lost game one dan my interest plummeted pretty greatly till those yankee fans continued to chirp at mr arise here right so arise didn't play in game one he did end up playing in games two and games three so uh we'll, we'll talk more about him later carlos correa does get three hits in this game urshela has a couple i mean the twins again like usual had some chances but not a ton bailey overpitched pretty well right five innings two earned runs so i guess there's some hope there yeah i mean it is fun to see pagan for likely the last time i would think I'm hoping to get a Pagan uniform. I would wonder how much money they'll give me to take that off the shelf. Pagan is like, he's like that cute puppy that like everybody wants to bring home and play with. And then they realize it's actually kind of a lot of work to like care for a dog. Like I feel like Pagan has gone from home to home here because he looks like he should be a great pitcher, right? But then he pees on your floor. Uh, Do you think somebody else is going to take him? I bet somebody picks him up on a flyer and he gets a chance in spring training. I mean, he's shown to have success at this level. So it's hard to believe that he would go unsigned or at least somebody, you know, takes a minor league contract out on him what i love is that his era is 4.5 which is the archer line right there 
So good ending, Pagan. Well done. Well, let's go to game two. Uh, this one, you could tell it was a team that had nothing to play for. Uh, twins lose this one eight to three. Arise is in the game, though, and goes one for four. And so his average at the end of this game was at 315. I think my favorite part was that Billy Hamilton played second base. Like yeah. that, yes. if anything tells you how little this game mattered, it's that. The infield at the end, Palacios was in the infield. I think Gordon was at third at that point. Caleb Hamilton's playing first. Hamilton and Hamilton on one side of the infield. I never thought I'd see that in the Twins uniform. So this actually happened in game three, but you had... You had Smalley and Bramer talking about Hamilton replacing Miranda. And they're like, well, we don't really need to make any jokes about that. We've done that enough this season. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yes, you have. Isn't that kind of like you're making the joke, even though you're not making the joke? Exactly. It's like like the worst thing. It's like, well, I could make a pretty funny joke here about such and such. But I'm not going to make that joke that I just referenced that we all know what it was about (laughs) such and such. It's like, okay, thanks, Dick. (laughs) Um, Not much else really to talk about in in game two. Um, Can we move on to game three? Yeah, I mean, we are just cruising here dan game three this one dan twins win this one 10 to 1 and if there was ever a game where a team was trying to let out some frustration i think this is it yeah six runs on the first three in the second one at the third uh, there's something very satisfying about the math of that seemingly almost everybody gets a hit except of course for caleb hamilton right can't get a hit uh so he ends the year with a 0.056 batting average i don't even 056 i have never seen a batting average that low david yeah this was a weird one you had palacios and sanchez you got guys hitting homers and, and making plays that it's like, wait a second, what what are we doing here? Why all of a sudden this burst of energy to end the season? Well, and I think my favorite thing is that finally Rocco gets the truest of true piggybacks, right? Louis Varlin pitches five innings and then Sands comes in and pitches four to earn the, the four inning save, which is one more inning that you need to earn the three inning save. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, it's well done because it's Louis Varlin's first win and it's Cole Sands' first save. So two first knocked out in the last game of the season. That can't happen that often. There is something about this. I don't I don't recall that many twins wins that were like this 10 to 1 you know something where you can legitimately do this right because you don't need to bring in you know even Trevor McGill or something to get you out of the ninth inning no like you said it just doesn't seem to happen that often because this season in particular the starting pitching when it's faltered it's faltered early and no matter how much momentum that offense got the starting pitching always seemed to bring this team back to reality well we'll see maybe Louis Varland's got a spot on this team next year he pitched really pretty well down the stretch here next year that is going to be the most interesting thing going into spring training. Okay, gut check real quick. I know it's not a segment, but if the Twins make no starting pitching signings in the offseason, how good do you feel about that on a scale of 1 to 10? Or bad? 1 being bad, 10 being good. I'd like a 7. Like, I actually don't yeah. think starting pitching is the biggest issue that this team's going to have. They have they got so much experience this year. You've got three guys at the top with Malley, with Joe Ryan, and with Sonny Gray. Y- I mean, you probably have enough starting pitching there. If anything, they've got too many arms competing for those spots well and you dropped kenta maeda off your list there totally right i mean yeah though he's going to be a question mark coming off of elbow surgery but but yeah i don't think starting pitch is an issue i think it's more likely that they trade away a starting pitcher than they acquire one in the offseason i'll say that I would be surprised unless it was a really big move for them to, to trade away. I mean, maybe Paddock or, you know, one of those other guys, but there's no way they're moving Joe Ryan. And like even Sonny Gray, I think would be a question mark to move him unless it was a really big acquisition that you're getting in return. Well, I guess that's what I mean is that that's how little I think that they're going to actually sign a starting pitcher. Fair enough. So it was more of an illusion. You don't actually see it happening. Correct. Correct. Gotcha. Um, well, David, we have to do this. We have to go to Puckett's Picks for one last time. Touch him Puckett's Picks winner. If there was ever a Puckett's Picks, Dan, that that really summed up this season, combined point total between our three picks of Correa, Cave, and Miranda was one, Dan. One point. (laughs) 
Well, and you get the win. How fitting with Miranda. Didn't even Miranda didn't get a hit. He didn't even strike out. He got hit by a pitch once, and that's how he got his point. Correa had a point. And he had some more strikeouts in there. So then, uh, so the tiebreaker goes to Miranda. I picked Jake Cave on a flyer, uh, and he got me negative one, which is my first negative point in a very long time. So I'm, that's not how I wanted to end the season, David. I wanted no. to end with a positive point here. Well, Dan, I will let you do the honors uh, uh, to give the final standings for the 2022 Twin season for Puckett's picks. So this is kind of like the AL Central race, right? Because it looks like you were so much better than us with 20 wins. I had 16 and the listeners had five, but it was close down to the end there. So I guess I'm, well, I don't like that I'm the White Sox in this metaphor, but uh, but there you go. And then I, I win the season points scored with 265. The listeners have 227 and how fitting you finish last with 226. David, it, congratulations. It needs to be noted. I noticed how you just snuck that in then that I win the total point scored. Folks, the only reason we keep that total is at in case of a tiebreaker, but it's based on season wins, Dan, not points scored. No matter how much your heart desires, it's based on points scored. I get it. I concede you won. Congratulations. Thank you. You know, some people would see that as pettiness, Dan. That just warmed my heart, though. <laughs> I'm glad. All right. Let's talk about Beast and Bench. Beast versus Bench. It's losing fun is losing fun you want to take this one because we, we both agree on the on the beast and for the same reason yeah it's a rise he's the batting champion of the american league fascinating how this happened um you know and he led almost the entire season uh with that he ends with a 316 batting average and he does it what i, I love that he did it by getting a hit and a couple walks and then they pull him out even though he didn't by because aaron judge sat in this final day uh he didn't really he could have gone what oh for eight i think that's what he would have needed to do it's a very arise day, right? He takes two walks to start, and then he gets a big double. It's just it's just cool to see that he stayed out until he got a hit, and then they pulled him out. Fantastic. And I'm so I'm glad he played. I'm glad, you know, he said he was 70 or 80%, but the DH'd him. So good on Rocco there. The New Yorkers can't complain. Who do you uh, have on your bench, Dan? I thought it was apt that I would pick a pitcher. So I went with Josh <laughs> Winder for his poor game two start here i know nothing was on the line uh but he only pitched two and a third he had five hits four runs all of them earned one walk two strikeouts the, the finish to the season for josh winder was not as inspiring as even like louis varland i think i think this is where these were important games here down the stretch because you had ober pitching quite well winder not so great and then louis varland pitching pretty well so in that way i do think this was important that's reasonable and like you said, true to form, Dan. True to brand. Well, yeah, you, uh, you I, I could have picked Aaron Sanchez, who, who didn't finish the piggyback there either. He gave up 300 runs, too, right after that. So I'm going to go with Jake Cave, and here's why. So specifically because, Jake, this is me talking directly to you now. It's important that you leave a good image in the front office mind here so that next season comes spring training, you don't have to start with the Saints. You can be the fourth outfielder, Jake. You just got to believe. Wake up in the morning. Give yourself the pep talk. Tell yourself that you are Jake Cave. He did the little things, though. In game two, he had a sacrifice fly. That's exactly the kind of thing that Jake Cave ought to be doing to make this team. Um, but I, again, I think I texted you and Hoags before. I'm flabbergasted that his batting average is as low as it is. It's 213, and it feels like he's had so many big hits that it should be higher than that. But big hits in meaningless games. Like, how many of his big hits are you looking back on being like, oof, big moment? Because I would argue that there are a lot of big moments where we found ourselves saying, Okay, is this really when we want Jake Cave at the at the plate? Because because I really don't think it is. Wasn't there a game? There was a game against the Giants. We had a big hit in the ninth or the tenth inning. There was that, right? He might have even had two big hits that game. Yeah, maybe once or twice this has happened in an actual game that mattered. But I would argue that that more often than not, I've been disappointed in his performance in big moments, not excited by them. 
I suppose so. And that's probably fair. But Jake Cave, we wish you the best. Hope you're back in this organization somehow next season. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, Dan. That's why he's on my bench, just because I'm a little disappointed he didn't finish on a higher note. Uh, All right. Well, let's go to the rewind. Rocco's Rewind. This is what I'm thinking about with Rocco right now. And it's kind of a question. It is a question. Um, What do you think Rocco's role is in keeping Carlos Correa here? Like, is is that a big factor, do you think, for Carlos Correa? Or is it just about the money? Or do we just admit that it's about the money and that these are kind of secondary things? I think that we do live in a world where Carlos Correa would take a lesser amount of money, but not by much. And I think that Rocco probably plays a role in that, in that Rocco allows Carlos Correa to be a leader in such a way that he likely would not be able to be on a team that had a manager who's older, let's say. Or who does anything, you know, who makes any <laughs> tough decisions. Like, I, I said nothing of the I, sort, Dan. That came out I of know, your mouth. I know you didn't. I just, I'm wondering, like, if Rocco's going to make a tough call. And, and to be fair, like, I think you're right. I think he does give Correa some latitude. I, I would think, though, a lot of managers would give him a lot of latitude, wouldn't they? Maybe. Well, it helps that, like, Correa is so good in the field as well. It's not like he needs work on fundamentals. But I do wonder, like, Correa has you, to notice, right? Like, Are you saying because Correa can't, because Rocco can't help players with fundamentals? Like, he's just... I, that, I, I, you inferred it. I won't say it. But, uh, but so... <laughs> but what I'm saying is you have to think that Correa looks around the infield and sees some mistakes being made because of some, I don't know, lack of training, some some lack of diligence and drills. And so I think Correa, that allows him to sort of elevate himself to be a leader of that caliber. And I do think he he... I do think he appreciates Racco giving him the leeway to do that. And obviously, it's no question that Racco is likely the loosest manager in the MLB as far as allowing players to sort of do their own thing. Sure. And I and I guess I wonder, is that is there a negative to that? Is Carlos grumbling at second base saying, why am I having to say this to Jose Miranda? Shouldn't this be Rocco's job? I, I'm not suggesting that that's the case. I just do wonder what that relationship is like and whether that plays any part in Carlos Correa's decision of whether he would want to stay in Minnesota. Probably, Dan. But I mean, he's the one who's building this championship culture. That's all I have to say. <laughs> all right. What do you got? So if you've been following Twins Twitter, my goodness, there is a vocal, I'm going to say minority, um, that Racco needs to be fired or that that's where the issues lie. And we have said a lot of times throughout the season that there have been some games that Racco has been, you know, without without being able to tell what the future would have been had he made different decisions, Racco has played a role in certain Twins losses that had he made different decisions, we think likely wouldn't have been the case. And obviously, me personally, he needs to fire Tommy Watkins immediately and he has yet to do that, which is a problem. But Ted from Twins Daily tweeted, what does Racco need to do to win the fan base back over? And I just I just don't know that that I'm in on this fire Racco train. He's a he's a young manager. He's new to the role. He's still figuring it out. A lot of his errors can sort of be traced back to really counting on players to perform in spots where the confidence that he continued to have in guys was way over where it should have been. I mean, obviously we're talking about Pagan and we're talking about Tommy Watkins. I think we have to remember that the expectations of this team this year were about where they ended up. And if you consider all of the injuries that they dealt with and the fact that they played what Buxton only played, what, like 12 games after the All-Star break and the and the pitching injuries that they dealt with, I think there are other issues in the organization. And Rocco is not, if he's an issue at all, it's not to me a top five issue right now in this organization. No, I would agree. I don't think that he's a top priority. I think some of the coaching staff needs to change. But other than that, I think you got to give the guy a little bit more leeway. All right, let's go to the Minnesota moment. 
Minnesota moment. So I'm going to go, we sort of alluded to this, but the sixth run top of the first in game three, it was just nice to see a sort of offensive breakout. And it, it did leave things in a little bit of a, of a nicer way than had they lost this game 10 to one, right? Like I just love to see that offense firing on all cylinders. And that was with arguably the B squad, right? So we'll see what this team comes back with next season, Dan, and whether they can bring back the Bomba squad and actually bring back the Bomba squad. Yeah, it's good to see some fight. And the the best thing to me was that Jermaine Palacios hit his first and then his second Major League Baseball home run in this series, David. We were wondering what Palacios' value would be on this team. And clearly, it's as a power hitter, I think now, David. Gotta be DH next season. No, no question, Dan. All right, let's keep going. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. I'll, uh, I'll ask you mine first here because it's still pretty twinsy. Should we care less now in this day and age about batting average and more about OPS? Like, should the batting champion matter as much as we, and I think you and I would agree, I think it does matter that Luis Rise wins the batting title, but are we wrong about that? No, I don't think so. The problem is with OPS, your OPS statistics can really be skewed. It just bothers me that it just seems like the on-base part of OPS is like sometimes seen as secondary. So like even if a guy's not getting a lot of hits, just because when he does get hits, they're big hits, that's going to skew that in one direction. Now, clearly, that's what the stat is. So I'm not trying to... I'm, I'm not trying to trivialize that, like the stat doesn't mm-hmm. do a good job, because I think it does. However, average and on-base percentage are very important, and especially when the league-wide average is down, of course you'd expect OPS numbers to be elevated comparatively. So I guess for me, I would say I still care about average. I don't know if I was looking at a guy, if I'd rather have a guy with a higher average or higher OPS. I think I'd probably lean average. What do you think Terry Francona would say? Okay, well, folks... The reason why Dan brings Terry Francona into this is because I don't know how many times, but a whole bunch of times Dan has brought up how Francona has said that the first time he saw Luis Arise, he thought that was a guy who could win a batting title. And MLB.com just released an article about Luis Arise winning the batting title. And in the first paragraph, they mentioned this. So in some way that vindicates Dan. I'm not exactly sure how, like, like, I don't even know that vindication was necessary, but it's just funny how many times Dan has said that. Clearly, somebody at MLB is listening to the podcast. Did you see the byline? Like, am I am I writing for MLB.com just on the <laughs> yeah. side? Do you think? Are you? That'd be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I so to come back to the original point, I think I agree with you in that there is a lot of value in having a guy who can hit for a high batting average, and I think it's a purer indicator of a guy who can really hit. Just a guy who can hit the ball all over the field, um, a guy who isn't going to strike out a lot. I think generally guys with high average are not going to strike out very much. And I do want that. I want a team of guys who can hit 300. Now, I know that that's not possible anymore, um, but that to me is still in many ways more important than OPS, and maybe that makes me old-fashioned. No, I don't think so. And you look, Luis Arise, with his high average, he also led the team in runs scored, which you would sort of expect at 88 runs. Sure. So it's an indicator of many other ways in which a player is valuable to a team. Yeah, well, with that, Dan, the Twins are out of it. They're not in the postseason. We're sad about that. However, the postseason picture is relatively interesting. So my question to you, Dan, is who are you going to be cheering for and who are you going to be cheering against? All right, so Houston is the one seed in the American League. The Yankees are the number two. And this is a a true bracket, so there's no reseeding. So the four and the five matchup in the AL is Toronto hosting Seattle, and the three and the six is Cleveland hosting Tampa. So then on the National League side of things, the the one and two seeds who get the buys are Atlanta and LA, and then the six and the three seed face off, which is the Phillies versus the Cards, and then the four and the five seed, the Mets and the Padres. So if I'm going to pick a team in the AL, it's got to be the Mariners, right? Because they're my hometown team now, David, as you pointed out last time. Um, But honestly, I would take anybody in the AL that's not the Yankees 
Yankees or the Astros, right? Either one would be fine with me. I think in the NL, I'm pulling for the Padres because they're kind of that underdog. And I would love to see a West Coast series between the Padres and the Mariners. The Padres and the Mariners, that'd be funny. I don't know. I, I That is statistically, I would say, pretty, pretty slim as far as the outcomes are concerned. But it would be interesting. I'll give you that. Those are my teams. Um, and maybe that's uber hopeful. What what are, you, what are you looking for? Yeah, I would say any of the teams that got a buy, I would say I don't want to win. And I would be okay with almost any other team. I really don't want to see Cleveland win <laughs> just because they're Cleveland. Hard not to cheer for St. Louis just because of the pool hole stuff that's happening. Uh, but obviously the Phillies, even the Mets, I sort of have a soft spot for Pete Alonso. So the only reason I really have a soft spot for him is because after he won the home run derby, he said he wanted to go uh, hunting with Steven Rinella who has a show on Netflix about hunting, which I just thought was super interesting because then he got to go on the show and hunt with the guy, which was pretty cool. But the Blue Jays would be cool. The Rays, just because they have to come out of the AL East. I don't know. But like you said, I would probably be a quasi Mariners fan just to sort of support you in that endeavor. But really anybody but those top four seeds, that's all I'm asking for. Or Cleveland. Or Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) There's always like a little asterisk for you next to Cleveland as well. Yes. All right. Well, let's uh, let's briefly here. We haven't really cared about grades in a while. Let's 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 grade this. Series grades. Is it any different now? Tim? <laughs> no. And I'm going to say an F because I agree with the logic you're about to explain. So how about you explain? Yeah. So the only goal you had in this series. Well, there were two goals, actually. One was for Luis Rise to win the batting title, which he did. And to be fair, that's not really on the team winning or losing. That's on a rise. But really, your only real goal as a team was you had to sweep the series in order to finish second, and you failed to do so. And there in my statement, Dan, that's the rationale. They failed, so they get an F. It's so clean cut this time of year for you, David, right? You, you have one objective, and you either achieve it or you do not. Exactly. I like that. I like that, actually. It's, it's, uh, it makes the grading, yeah, very simple. All right. Well, let's keep going here. A little more to look around the league in Herbie's headline. I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. Herbie's headlines. Folks, if you're new to the podcast, and by, <laughs> and by the way, we welcome you here uh, at the end of the season. Thank you for, for subscribing. Um, so this, is, this is a segment we actually added this season uh, that I think has been a really nice segment where we look around the league. We kind of give some context what the Twins are doing, uh, and, and it gives us a chance to kind of just remind people that it's not just about the Twins here on this podcast. We do appreciate all baseball well played, but especially uh, when it's done by the Twins. Yes. So the big story, obviously... Aaron Judge has broken the major league record for home runs hit in a single season. He's at 62. It was a big celebration. John Boy Media did a really good breakdown about how Judge kept pointing to his mom in the stands as he's rounding the bases. Very sentimental moment. And I can tell you, folks, Dan swooned when he saw the replays. Uh, he, He texted immediately when it happened. He was obviously watching very eagerly to see his favorite player break the record. Well, hold on. You said major league record. I think you meant American league, unless no. you're forgetting the steroid era, David. Do you, do you not count that at all? I was perhaps a Freudian slip, Dan. I don't know. <laughs> all right. I did want to talk about a Jason Stark article. And Jason Stark writes for The Athletic now. He's been covering baseball for a long, long time. And whenever I read a Jason Stark article, it's like he's sitting right next to me shouting at me <laughs> in exclamation points. And, and I don't love exclamation points as a general rule, but he's great at coming up with random stats. And I will say this about Aaron Judge. So he compiled a list of stats uh, as he compares to other players in the American League. He led the American League by 23 home runs. He led the American League in runs scored by 30. Total bases, 81. RBI, 8. Walks, 25. Extra base hits, 13. OPS, 104 points. And he was on base 39 times more than any other player. Like, that is a remarkable season. 
It's a very good season. So now are you sad that Arise stole the Triple Crown from him? Absolutely not, because that is perfect, because he can't have everything. Aaron Judge can have all the other stats in the world, but he cannot have the batting title, and I love that. So I did have a follow-up question on this, Dan. Judge is in his prime. Like, it's not like it's not like this is the end of his career. He's not Pujols. So what are the odds that Judge beats his own record? This is so hard to do. Hoag's was talking about just how remarkable this record is, and he thinks this is more remarkable than the 700. Which we'll, we'll talk about in the season recap, I think. Yeah, so I'll give him some space there. But I, I, do, I think it's pretty unlikely. This is a really hard record to match. And maybe he'll go on roids, and maybe he'll do that. But that is not in Aaron Judge's character. Or if they start using the baseballs from 2019 again. Maybe, and, and maybe that would be it. They would have to change some external factor. I don't think, especially because, again, what he's, I mean, he hit so many more home runs than anybody else. I just have a hard time believing that, that he's going to be able to do it again, unless, unless baseball wants him to. I, I'll say that. What does that even mean? Well, that means that they can change the baseball, right? Or they oh, can rig it in some way to favor Aaron Judge like they do the Yankees normally. Do you think that's why they're making the bases bigger, so that it sort of lessens the time it takes Judge to trot around the whole bases? <laughs> It's all for him, uh, yes, and his home run trot. I'm sure that that's the reason, David. So normally, Dan, at this time, we would be doing a Puckett's Picks, but we don't need a Puckett's Picks because there are no series remaining. I know, it makes me a little bit sad that I have to wait until next spring to have a chance to build a lead against you, David. Ugh. That's how all this the Twins gonna... fans feel right now, Dan. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. All right. Well, remember, uh, we will have, as we have intended to have the last two years, a season wrap-up segment. Last year, technology foiled us, uh, but we'll have one this year. We'll have Hogs back for it, too. It'll be good to have Hogs on the program. And, and honestly, folks, just to take a minute, for those of you who have listened, especially for those of you who have been listening the whole season, my goodness, thanks so much. It's always great to, to see the comments and get notes and whatnot. Thank you so much for, for the time and the effort and, and really spending time with us listening about a team that's just not very good uh at least when it came to the end of the season so to see our numbers stay pretty steady through the end of the year has been really really encouraging and we hope to bring uh bring this product back to you next year sounds good well again thank you i echo those comments david and uh, how about you send us out well folks if you like what you hear please tell a friend you can follow us on twitter at min for the win and find our min for the win facebook page make sure you subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available and if you could leave us a rating that'd be great a reminder that episodes are now available on our YouTube channel, and if you could drop us a like and a subscribe, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins! That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!